We do honor you today, and I'll finish here, and we'll kind of get into our message uh, today. But uh, Deuteronomy 5.16, it's also in Exodus 20.12, the Ten Commandments. Has everybody heard of the Ten Commandments? All right. We should know where the, we should know they exist. It says, uh, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long. That's pretty important. It's easy to understand, but we, make sure, we need to make sure we do it. And that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. We're going to talk today a little bit about working the plan of God, actions, to-dos, our works. Well, we need to honor our mother and our father, right? And in doing so, our days will be long, and things will be well with us. Praise the Lord. That's the fifth commandment. Does anybody? That's for fathers. That's for children. Anybody want to know what the sixth commandment's for? Do you know what it is? Thou shalt not murder. That's for the moms, all right? So, <laughs> so make sure, let's make sure we do commandment number five, and then commandment number six won't have to, have to, to play into this, all right? Praise the Lord. Well, we have some special, we want to honor real quickly here, uh, some guests, uh, Rachel and Cassie's family is nicely on the front row. Um, her parents, Bill and Catherine Thompson, did I, it's Catherine, right? Carrie? Karen. Hi, Karen. Sorry about that. <laughs> they are youth pastors at New Life Ministries in Colonial Beach, Virginia, faithfully serving for many years. And uh, Matt was so kind to give, give me a, a really good word, but the results and fruit of your labor are here, and they've been helping us and serving us, and an integral part to where we are today, and so that's your fruit at work today, and we appreciate what you've done. They also happen to be very close allies and partners. The Hankins typically come here, and then they go there to their church, and uh, so we get to connect in that cool way, and so we appreciate that. Last but not least, Miss Cassie, graduating. There you are right there. You graduated. No, you're not graduating. So. <clears throat> we honor you for that. That's a lot of work. You feel different today? <laughs> not in any way? You're going to study tomorrow just to, for old time's sake? <laughs> Seriously doubt that, right? No, congratulations. Job well done. Time for the next step. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. So, uh, let's get into today's message. And before, the, before we get into the meat of the message, I want to give you an appetizer. Did I miss something? I didn't. I got that look like I missed something. Okay. But she's just happy to see me, that's all. She's actually a very good wife and mother. I appreciate you. All the years that I was on the road a lot, gone all the time, and she sacrificed what she was doing as a teacher to Raise the family, keep the house in order. I mean, I was gone a lot. And I uh, appreciate what you did. You've done such a great job. Uh, better than what I expected, right? Yeah. We, uh, we also are celebrating our 25th anniversary. We're next Friday leaving for nine days, something like that. She's get to take a break from being mom for nine days. Hopefully not a break from being a wife. And... Uh, we're going for nine days. And you say, why nine days? Well, that represents the nine good years. Of, that's a joke. <laughs> they would have all been good if she would have just acted right for the remaining bit. But, uh, no, no, no. Just kidding. She's a great wife. Kept, has kept me on track. Uh, when you work together and partner together, things go well. Amen. So the nugget for today, uh, this is a bit of a reflection, personal reflection uh, this is a good season for me, and that's a good testimony. Not, things aren't falling apart. Things are going well. And in going well, they're going at a very fast pace. It can be just as dangerous if you don't watch it uh, when things aren't going so well. And so I was trying to find time in the day to breathe, to make sure I'm flowing and doing what the Lord wants me to do. You know, we can get excited when things are going well and just run with it, uh, and, but it's not always the wise thing to do. And so the nugget, the appetizer to get us started today is just this. Make the effort to get in the flow, the rhythm, and in lockstep with the Holy Spirit. Stop enough to do that. You know, outside of this flow with the Holy Spirit, life can be hard, 
It cannot be, there, it might not be optimal, just not all it should be. And it's unnecessary to live life outside of the flow of the Holy Spirit. Emotions and circumstances will drive the mojo of the day if we're not flowing with the Holy Spirit. Good or bad. We are not designed to muscle our way out of things. In fact, in the flow of the Spirit, things are effortless. The effort that we're to make is to get into the flow and the rhythm of the Holy Spirit, let the anointing help us get things done, and achieve things that we can't do on our own. This is not necessarily a revelation to any of you, but it is an all-too-forgotten daily action that we need to take. And we're going to be talking about some action today that we need to take. So you say, well, where's the Mother's Day message? Welcome to Freedom Word Church. You don't get much of those types of things. Uh, on Christmas, we don't get a story about beautiful, sweet baby Jesus or the stars flying around or the angels singing all types of Christmas songs. We usually get right into why Jesus came, what he achieved, what he did for us, and who we are in him. And so for today's Mother's Day message, here's how I'll link it. That's all it's going to be is a link. That every mom, one, a desire of every mom is to see their child do well. Is that fair? If you're a good mom, that's your desire to see your child do well. And we're going to talk today about one of those ingredients to doing well, and that is uh, our doing, our action, our working the plan of God. Pastor's been teaching on a new series, Knowing and Following the Will of God. So that's new. It's out there, the first one on the podcast. Uh, and he's mentioned five points. He may go more. Uh, but one of them is number five, which is doing, or the works part of knowing and following the will of God. It's not just enough to know. It's like when you put something together, right? You got to look at the instructions. You now YouTube them. You know what to do. You know what it looks like when it's done, but you actually have to put the thing together if you want to do it, right? So the doing part's very, very important. So the, if there's a title of today, it's working the plan of God, our part in the work of the plan of God. It's, we got to know it, but we also have to do it. Now, Brother Doug, on Wednesday, you missed a treat because he really laid out the foundation to get this message started. And I think it'll build even into pastor series, what he, which, is, which he is doing. Uh, what he did is laid the ground for the work for the work of Jesus as our example of the works that need to be done in the earth. And he laid out some scriptures. One was Romans 8.29 that God predestined, he planned for, and I'm going to do a quick recap because of what feeds into today's message. I'm not going to read all the scriptures, but predestined. He planned for us to be like Jesus, spitting images of Jesus. Not a distant kind of picture of Jesus, but a spitting image. Mariah is a spitting image of me, and she's thrilled about that. I'm nicer than her, so not an exact spitting image, but praise the Lord. <laughs> but his, he, the, he planned for us to look like him, act like him, be like him, but that doesn't mean it's a predetermined outcome. That just doesn't mean because he wanted that, that that's what it's going to be. We have a choice to lay hold of that, and this is where our works and our efforts come in, is to become more like Jesus, to be like Jesus. We're not automatically made like him. We're made in his image. We need to live up and own up to that image. There's often a misconception about that, that, you know, it's for the lucky few. If you hit all sevens on the slot machine, you get to look like Jesus. It may or may not. If, you're, if you can fit on the Jesus bus, then you're going to be just like Jesus. If there's not a seat for you, well, we'll just see how things turn out. That's not it at all. He gives us the entire formula to look like him, act like him, be like him, and it's up to us to do every point of those to get in a place where we represent him well. To have his character, to have his nature, to have the anointing, that to do the ministry that he did in our lives and what our purpose is, and to live a lifestyle just like Jesus did. It takes our decisions and our actions to do that, not his. John 14, 12, another one Brother Doug laid out. It says, the works I do, so Jesus the works I do, underline do, he, us, will do, underline do, also. And underline also, also means the same. And will do greater works. What works did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. Amen. He spoke in faith. 
Jesus did not throw temper tantrums. Jesus did not see himself as unworthy. He saw a purpose and a plan, and he did that. What works did Jesus do? He went out in all the world, preached the gospel. He found himself in it, went out and preached it to set people free. Should we not be doing the same? He didn't say do different or lesser works. He said the same. He said do greater of the same kind. And he also said, and this would be done greater because there'd be many more of us doing it. Individually, collectively, that we have to go do it. Acts 10, 38 and 39. This was a, a scripture Brother Doug threw out. And Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Well, we're to be spitting images of him. Should we not be anointed with the Holy Ghost and full of power? Amen, we should be. But we have to go get that. We have to go walk into that. It doesn't, it's not automatically inferred on us. We have to go get it. It also said Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. Verse 39, and they said we were witnesses to what he did. All right, Not just what they heard, but what he did. And so we need to find ourselves in this. Jesus was productive, focused, and diligent in his works. Wasn't a couch potato. Wasn't a part-timer. He didn't choose or pick what he did and didn't do in this earth. He got a hold of the plan the Father delivered to him. He, he heard what the Father had to say. And he did that and did nothing else. And he did it with excellence and got it done. What I'm doing is painting a picture. If we're supposed to be like that, are we like that? Amen? So in all this, it's easy to get in the trap that either Jesus or someone else is to do the works. But I, you, all of us, each one of us are supposed to do that also. Amen. So the title today is Working the Plan of God. Let's do it. The emphasis on the works today, and thank you, Brother Doug, for laying this out, the emphasis on works today because, is because of many of us are still trying to figure out why we don't have what we've been believing for or we're not where we want to be. And I believe that our corresponding action and our works are a big part. They, they're not connected at the level they need to be to what we're hearing and what we know and that anointing and power that's available. I always ask myself, if I'm not getting what I expected, then what needs to be adjusted? And I think that's the essence behind what I'm delivering to you today. I'm not indicting anybody here, but if the shoe fits, wear it. I do know that this is one of those things we should all just look through, occasionally check in with the Holy Spirit. Am I doing what I need to do to get what I'm believing for? Because when we think that, well, either it's God's will or it's not, or either I'll have it or I'll not, which isn't biblical, then we really don't have a part to play in the outcome. I don't think living on this earth is any fun if we don't have any say in how it, how it comes out. We're made like Jesus who created and did things. Praise the Lord. So we kind of what we're looking at today is, you know, why isn't this working? We likely have some incomplete transactions. We have more work to do. The works or the doing part don't seem sometimes as important as the believing or the praying. Now, those are the works of faith, too. You know, work really isn't a four-letter word good word. You think about salvation, for example. We don't get saved just because we heard that we can get saved, or Jesus said we could get saved, or he went to the cross so we could get saved. What do we have to do? Confess that Jesus is Lord. We have something to do in this. And we also have to believe that he was raised from the dead. Verse 10, confession is made unto salvation. There is no salvation without confession making unto salvation. It's a work of our faith. Think about giving. We can pray about our giving, but it doesn't do any good if we don't give. Healing. We can hear the word about healing, but does that mean we're going to get healed? No. We have to declare and receive our healing. We have to get praise and thanksgiving. We have to water that thing which we're believing for. And I know you won't like this one. And it doesn't apply today. applies Monday morning, tomorrow. We may have to do things like eat better. Well, the grim faces that just hit the crowd after that one. Anyway, I'm trying to paint a picture that hearing about healing is one thing, 
then the actions of corresponding faith are another thing that are required. Corresponding action is a key to completion and the manifestation of the power of God. Now, when we talk about works, I want to make it clear before I get into a few scriptures. You know, when we talk about work, the work of the flesh cannot manifest the presence, power, or productivity of the Lord. We're not talking about toil and labor work. We're talking about corresponding faith action. The action of entering in by faith. That's our works that we're talking about today, not the sweat of the brow. So for our scripture today, James 1, 22 and 25. I got a few scriptures. I'm going to, I'm going to roll through some scriptures. We're going to stay in the book of James. I might jump to Luke real quick, uh, but we want to paint a picture of, of doing. So James 1, 22, if we have that available. It's in the New King James Version. There we go. And we'll read through verse 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Deceiving is a very strong word. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving. What it suggests is we're deceived if we think hearing alone or just showing up to church and that's it is going to produce by itself the harvest that we're believing for. We have to be hearers and doers. And in this, I think, is really where that question pops up. And some, we wouldn't ask it, we wouldn't state it publicly, but I know we do internally. I've done it before. And I still do it, but in a little different, I don't blame God for anything anymore, but I, I look to myself. It's kind of where the why isn't the, this working for me question pop up. And I think it's between, or the connection of the hearing and the doing. Not just the hearing, and not just the doing either. It needs to be in faith. We're kind of, we live in a microwave society. So we hear something and we expect it to happen tomorrow. We expect it to just happen, right? The phone makes everything happen. But it doesn't work that way. We have to hear, then we have to do. We have to build our faith, corresponding action. And we're going to have uh, roast and mashed potatoes for Mother's Day dinner today. Is that good? You happy with that? Now, it's a crock pot dinner. All right, so we could determine to have roast today. Hear the menu, have it. I could put it all in a bowl in the microwave, and three minutes later, with very little effort, we could have a roast for dinner. Would anybody want to eat that? No. No. Or we could just talk about having roast, set it all out there, and not cook it. Another way to look at it. The problem with a good roast and mashed potatoes is it takes some time of doing to get it to a place of completion. And we today have to work probably against this harder than they did back in the day. Of course, they probably said that about previous generations. But to have the patience, the steadfastness, and the pace, and the stick-with-itness of our doing to see the realization of the harvest. Amen? So this roast is going to take about five or six hours to cook in the crock pot, and it'll be good. Amen? Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Verse 24, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he, man he was. Now that worked out well for me today. I looked in the mirror and I thought, what happened, you know? <laughs> and I used to have, Dina will remember this because we, we started dating in high school. I may have shared this before, and you probably won't even be able to imagine this. It's so far away. But I used to have wavy, curly, dark, dark brown hair. You know, like the, it, the curls were so curled. Like, you know, Grandma used to put the, do you still use the little curling things, the little pink roller things? <laughs> right. she, she had her duster on and her pink curls, and she'd yell at my grandfather all the time. My hair looked like they were in curls, curlers. I used to wear a tank top because I was a weightlifter. You like that picture, don't you? Uh, and so I had some muscles and all that stuff. And we lived at the beach, so always had a tan. Obviously, when you don't live at the beach, you don't have a tan. And I had a big gold chain I always wore. She still has that, uh, actually a picture of that that I hope never resurfaces, but... I looked a lot like a Ralph Macchio guy on The Karate Kid. And I'm not joking, I really did. 
And then, of course, today, it's a little bit different picture. Uh, so it's in this sense good that I looked in the mirror, turned around, and forgot what I look like today. But um, here we are. But if anybody is a hearer of the word and not a doer, what's so funny, Nick? Somebody ban Nick. Uh, if anybody's a hearer and not a doer, you know, doing validates what we hear. It confirms that you believed what you heard. Amen? You know, we, when we're talking about our kids, you know, we want you to hear that we're asking you to take out the trash. We want you to hear that. But more importantly, we want you to do it. Right? It's good to hear, but it's better to do in that sense. Garrison. <laughs> Thus the subject of this joke. Uh, Garrison, especially as he was getting near the end of moving out, his level of responsibilities went down, and the last thing he ended up on the list was just take the trash out twice a week. He was not so good at that last request. He would walk right by it. It would smell. You could see almost fumes coming up from it. And it didn't seem to move. It didn't make it to the garbage can. You know, we even joked one time about because you know how kids like to snoop for Christmas presents and things like that? Let's just put him in a trash bag and put it right in front of the door. He'll never look. It'll be right there. It got so bad one time, I actually put the garbage on the windshield of his car. And I was looking to see, would he just go get in another car? Would he knock it off? Would he actually take the garbage down? And I think he did that time, so he came through. But nonetheless, if you're just a hearer and not a doer, things just don't get done. Verse 25, but he who looks in the, into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one, the Bible is cause and effect, seed time and harvest, this one will be blessed in what he does. He looks into the perfect law. He, she sees himself or herself according to the word. And then takes the time to see what must be done to make that a reality. Continues in it, meaning they do something with it and don't let up until it's complete. The definition of faithfulness, you know, if you've ever read the Bible long enough to see the word long-suffering, that doesn't mean we're intended to suffer long. Long-suffering means we're going to stay with it until it gets done. Don't care what, what happens, I'm not giving up. Like a pit bull locked onto something. This thing's not over till I'm saying it's over. Amen? That's continuing in it. And continuing in it, it's just such a key ingredient, faithfulness and long-suffering, to actually seeing the completion. I don't want to keep asking, why is this not working? I want to get to a point where it works. Not a forgetful hearer. Have you ever heard anything and heard something, especially a word from the Lord? Oh, that's just great. You don't write it down. And then that great revelation doesn't come back to you <laughs> five minutes later. Praise the Lord. Well, doing validates that here. And it's kind of a stamp that helps, right? If I've heard to, to go do something, then I go do it. I'm going to remember what I heard. But if I don't do, it's kind of like writing something down or not writing something down, right? I'm probably not going to remember what I heard. It helps me retain what I just heard. And we've all heard the saying, practice makes perfect. Simple, right? You keep practicing the Word, you're going to perfect the Word in your life. If you don't practice it, it's not going to get perfected. You'll read it again or hear it again some other time, and that's about it. So, looks into the perfect law, gets the picture, continues in it, finds out what to do and stays with it. Is not a forgetful hearer, makes sure there's practice, practice makes perfect, so that we remember, and that we're a doer of the Word, all those causes, all those ingredients results in what? Be blessed if he does. So this one will be blessed in what he does. What if he doesn't do? Miss the blessing, right? So that's not fair. Well, it's not. No, it is fair. The Lord said, here's how to do it, made it simple. I would say instead of it not being fair, we missed doing something that was pretty easy. Amen? All right. Everybody hanging with me right now? Yeah. You happy to still to be here? Yeah. I'm watching the clock, I promise you. 
We're moving through, but hopefully this is helpful. So James 2, and this is 14 through 26. I'm not going to camp out on every scripture, so don't get too concerned. James 2, 14 through 26. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Say all these good things and then not meet the need by doing to, you know, that exchange. Verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it might happen, might not happen. What what does the scripture say? It's dead. Dead as a doornail. No life. No heartbeat. Faith is dead if it doesn't have corresponding works. That sounds hard and harsh. It's the reality of the truth of the Word of God. It is the result that you and I will experience in our lives. It's not a mere biblical... It's not, this is not just a book of writings. Amen? It's not a pleasant Mother's Day message, is it? It is if we do. Amen. You know what? I'll, I'll just maybe take a quick pause here. If we do the Word of God, we get to live in the promises of God. That's something to get excited about. That's something to make us want to do when we don't feel like doing. It's so simple, but it does take time and it does take commitment. So verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. Now we can't earn salvation, but we have an action to take to receive salvation. Not automatic. We get saved by that, by that action. We believe he was raised from the dead, right? That's an action. I have to believe that that actually happened. You know, this was his final act or the work in the whole plan of redemption and salvation while Jesus was on this earth. He sealed the deal with that. You ever, ever go back and read what Jesus had to do from the start to the finish? He was committed to the plan. He knew what had to be done and he did it. What if Jesus, then there was a place in the Bible where he was under so much pressure, you know, could the cup be passed? He was at a place where, of the extreme torture, and he made a choice to stick with the plan of God. It was a choice. It was an action. Where would we be if he hadn't stayed with that? A little chills going on. He said the air conditioner. That just got to me. (laughs) Where would we be? Amen. Jesus made a choice. When he did that, he sealed this covenant with you and I. He paid the price for that covenant. He wrote the contract up. He carried all all the action necessary. And all he asked us to do at the end was sign the contract. And when he said, we don't, if you don't do do the will of God, then we'll get to that in a minute. But you don't know me. Right? Am I right about that? We don't know him. All he's asked us to do is sign up, sign the contract. He didn't actually ask us to help build the contract. He did all that. We get healed by not just hearing, but by believing, declaring, and other actions which we talked about earlier. But someone will say, you have faith and I have work. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. That's a mouthful. You believe that there is one God. So you, you believe, you heard it. You do well. Yeah, To know that, it is good to hear. Even the demons believe and tremble. Big deal. We complete this thing by doing. Even the demons know who Jesus is. Perhaps the demons know the word better than we do at times. I kind of want to outdo them. How about you? And in the spirit of this pleasant Mother's Day message, verse 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Amen. And Brother Mark... Uh, Hankins when he was here, he said something that kind of rang with me a little bit. I'm, I'm chewing on it. Who's in charge of getting your harvest? Is Jesus the Lord of the harvest? Yes. Which means he oversees it and he's made it ready. Who's in charge of getting the harvest? Jesus? Brother Mike is. He signed up for it. 
We're in charge of that. You know, in verse 29, was not Abraham our father justified by works? His, the justification of his works was what confirmed his faith when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar. I mean, you know, and this can be done whether we feel like it or not, whether circumstances are there or not. In fact, the acts of faith override the weakness of our circumstances and, and those fleshly, natural things. Could you imagine, you know, Abraham and Isaac's, you know, condition at the time, state of their mind, their emotions, right? Abraham's a man of faith, so he knew that God was going to do what? Be faithful to his promise. But he's also a man, and he's thinking, the instructions I just heard weren't exactly the way I thought this thing would happen. How am I going to do this? How am I going to break the news to little Isaac over there that he's going on the grill today? That's kind of, I mean, that's a tough situation, right? And clueless little Isaac over here is knowing, well, I've seen the God of my father who's been faithful, right? That's what you want the kids to say. And they're starting to get things together and, hey, dad, you know, how's this thing going to shake out today? Bring the pepper, son. <laughs> uh, how, what? That's okay. It's not that bad. Just wait. All right. And so Isaac's thinking, okay, well, he's seen God be faithful to his, his father. So he's thinking, okay, yeah, there's a sacrifice coming. Uh, Dad, I thought you'd have it ready now, but okay. And Isaac's thinking, you know, oh, boy, when am I going to break this to him? I mean, it's kind of like when your kids ask you something, you know, like, what are we doing for Mother's Day on Saturday? And you look like, oh, I got it. We're good. We'll talk in a bit. And you're thinking, oh, no, I have no idea. I didn't know it was Mother's Day, and I did this time, and I don't know what we're going to do. The stores are getting ready to close. Kids, she's your mother, figure it out, you know. <laughs> anyway, you know, Abraham's probably having something similar to this moment. He's like, he knows he trusts God, but his flesh says, how in the world could it be Isaac? Are you sure, Lord? But what did, what did faithful Abraham do? He went forward. Did, he, did you think he really believed that his son would be the sacrifice? I think what he really believed was that God would come through and God was faithful. He started remembering the promises well before Isaac ever came along. And in that memory of that, he started acting it out. He said, you know what? This is what God told me to do. You know, shaking in his boots, thinking, well, how did it get to this? But he knew down in his heart what he had heard if he just stopped and said, I'm going to wait, Lord, for you to tell me something different, where would the father Abraham and the nation of Israel and the blessing of Abraham, which we are a part of, where would that have gone? No, what he did, he said, I'm going to act out on the promise and the faithfulness of my father. He's going to provide, so I'm going forward. Think about that. His action was, I'm going Let's go, because he trusted God. Verse 22, do you see that faith was working together with his works? So he got everything together and went up there with clueless Isaac. We're going to go do this thing. And by works, faith was made perfect. What did he believe? So what did he do? Well, let's take that into our daily lives. What do we believe? What are we going to do? If sickness is in our house, what do we believe? And what are we going to do? If we don't have what we need financially to get from point A to point B, what do we believe? And then what are we going to do? Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. His, he was called the friend of God. His doing validated his faith. And we ask, you know, why hasn't it happened? I would just, I'm not, don't get mad at me, but I, I'm do, I do this to myself. Have we truly acted on our faith? And I would recommend do frequent checkups on that. Amen. Verse 24, you see then that a man is justified by works, not by faith. Eligible for the promise of God now when you're justified. Verse 25, I mean, likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. 
got a little piece to read on her. Squiggly mark, so I may have it out of order here. But, you know, Rahab was not um, at the top of society. It's kind of one of those family members you don't want to talk about or you try to keep them away from the party. You let them come by after everybody's gone. Um, not in a good spot. But Rahab recognized the God of Israel. She trusted in him for righteousness that she could not produce in her own life. She had heard about him and believed on him. And the powerful thing about Rahab, whatever Rahab was before Israel crossed into the land of the Canaanites, she became someone new in the promised land. For Rahab believed. She had heard on the God that saves, the God of Israel. For she believed that. So she not only believed in God, but then she also acted. What did she act on? The, the messengers of God, she aligned with their plan, which was the plan of God. She took an action on it. What if, and then one of those actions was hanging that scarlet rope or cloth or whatever it was. What if she had not done that? What happened to all those that did not do that? They got wiped out. Amen. She acted upon what she believed. The woman who had been called a harlot became a godly wife and mother in Israel. Here's what changed by her actions of what she believed. Here's the end result. You're one of the end results. She and her husband became the parents of a boy named Boaz. We should rename a kid Boaz. That's a pretty cool name. <laughs> and that boy is kind of like Fabio and Boaz or something like that. And that, that boy would one day marry a widow woman by the name of Miss Ruth. Ruth. Thus, as God worked all things together for the good, because she had turned and made a decision, Using the humble and the most unlikely, God raised up a harlot to become the great-great-grandmother of King David. From the line of Rahab came the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of the world, our God and King and our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we are made to be in the likeness of, and whom he sealed a covenant with us to experience and live in all the blessings, benefits, protections, and goodness of God. I'm glad Rahab was a part of the picture. Amen. But she could have made a decision and things that have gone a whole different direction. God would have raised somebody else up, sure. But history could have looked a little bit differently. You know, if you're sitting here today or you're online and you're thinking, you know, I'm not worthy or I've messed up two bad mantras, that's all they are. You know, they, ha they can paralyze us. You know, saying, I'm not worthy of this, so I'm just not going to act out. What it really does is keep us from fulfilling or walking out the plan of God. Put that aside. I think Rahab has something on you. Amen? Put that beside. You're worthy because Jesus made you worthy. You haven't messed up too bad because Rahab has a good rap sheet. King David. I think, King, I think maybe God let him mess up so bad just so we knew we had a chance. I don't know. There's a lot of bad stuff in there, a lot of bad things done. None of those are justified. But the point is, if we act on what we believe and align ourselves with the Lord, Jesus, that all that I'm not too worthy and I've messed up too bad mess is nothing more than the devil lying to you, lying through his teeth. You are worthy only because Jesus made you worthy. And that's enough and all I need for today to walk in victory and walk out of that mess I'm in. You're not stuck. Be free. Be free. And I've heard this. I've heard other family members saying, you don't know how bad I am. It doesn't matter. Oh, well, you need to keep being bad. You know, just don't keep being bad. But that's not the issue at heart here. Jesus has never, the first time you messed up wasn't the first time he found out about it. It wasn't the first time he's run into it. He's not held back by my limitations or your limitations. He doesn't want us to continue in the wrong ways. But I can tell you that's not the first thing on his agenda or his plate to deal with. It's getting us to turn back to him and do it, do it his way. We've all had testimonies in our lives where we either made bad or disobedient decisions. What, is, what does the Bible say? What is the essence of the New, New Testament or Old Testament, for, for a matter of fact? Repent, turn back to me, and I will. Amen? It's good. If you don't like it, I do.
All right. We won't keep you much longer here. So, for as the body, in verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so, with, so faith without works is dead also. And he said, you've just read about 20 verses that all say the same thing. Getting the point yet? So the question of why not me or why isn't it working is never that God is wrong. It is always we haven't completed a transaction, which could be we either haven't done something yet or we're doing something wrong that you know, we need to align with what we believe, or it's just a fact of matter of time, right? Put the microwave aside, get in the flow of God, and you'll get there at the right time. You know, there's short-term things like the devil attacks us, right? That doesn't mean we're doing things wrong. What I'm talking about is the long haul of life, our life ought to, res ought, to, ought to reflect what we believe and what we do over the long haul. I ought to overcome sickness over the long haul. I may be down and out today because I got hit by attack. I may be financially in the hole today. But over the long haul, if I do it God's way, I will be above the hole. All right? Okay, that's the point here. I know sometimes offense gets taken. We say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, we've all been through something. What I do want to recognize, there are times and seasons of life where you get hit with something, and it's not of our own doing, and it's not that we're not doing all the right things. We got attacked by the enemy. Or we just may, maybe we did make a bad decision. Whoop-de-doo. I'm talking about over the long haul. Don't get stuck in the short-term situation and tell yourself, well, this stuff doesn't work, or maybe I don't work, blah, 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 blah. That's just a short-term situation. If you'll get with the plan of God, act on it, your long-term situation will look like Jesus intended it to look. Guaranteed every time. All right? That's a guarantee. Amen. I feel good. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to do one more, one more little brief section of scripture, and then I'm going to, I'm going to end. So we'll be done seven minutes. The time warden over here is watching me. It's one thing about her. I was born a gas pedal. If we're a car, I was born a gas pedal. She was born a brake pedal. <laughs> and that was a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing once you realize how to drive the car together. Maybe that references the nine good years. <laughs> no. That's where that came from. No. No, we've, we've learned to appreciate it. At some point, marriage threw a clutch in there, and now it works a lot better. And so we, we know how to work together with that, you know. I appreciate her break, and she appreciates the gas a little bit, but I do appreciate the break. We've been able to do great things together. Uh, Luke 6, 46 through 49. We're going to kind of end in the scripture here. But why do you call me Lord? And Brother Hankins taught on this. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and, do, and not do the things which I say? So why do you ask for my advice and then don't do it? Save me the, spare me the 30 minute, 30 seconds or five minute discussion. If you're not willing to at least consider doing what you ask me. But in this situation, even more, it's a pretty strong indictment. You call me Lord, but you don't do what, you don't do what I say do. Is he really your Lord or my Lord? Whoever comes to me, verse 47, to me and hears my sayings and does them. So he didn't say and hears my sayings. And if you get around to it, does them. He said, here's and, which means I'm not an English major. I took three semesters of freshman English when you're supposed to take two. But the way I connect all this stuff, and means that both have to happen at the same time. Is that a conjunction? Is it? Okay, I got something right. I probably told you that story. I'm, I shouldn't go into it. I, eight minutes now. Anyway, I had to repeat freshman English. I uh, took it at a community college in Hampton Roads, and it was not a good place to go at the time. It's much nicer now. And so I get in there to sit down, old computers, basically just trying to get enough credit to get on with it. We had lab partners, and my lab partner had just got out of prison that day. And that was part of his program as he had to go back to school. Needless to say, I got to the car safely, and he got a good grade. Amen. <laughs> But anyway, I was smarter than he was at least. We made it through. So whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. So whoever comes to him, hears what he's saying and actually does it, he is like a man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, 
for it was founded on the rock. He is a hearer and a doer. You know, the surety here, which is what God predetermined, he didn't predetermine what your actual outcome would be. What he predetermined, what it could be if we were hearers and doers, which, what he predetermined was if we hear what he says and do it, the promise will be fulfilled. Every time, he doesn't fail to deliver. The variable in this, it is on the man to do. That's what Brother Hankins taught about. If you want to harvest, it's on you to make sure it comes to pass. Not the Lord. He's prepared it already. Verse 49, but he who heard and did nothing. So they had common traits there. Both heard. One did and one didn't. So the common denominator there is the hearing part. Let's push that aside for sake of the argument. The difference is in the doing and not doing. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the same stream beat vehemently, and it immediately fell. All the conditions were exactly the same, except one did and one didn't, and it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. It is dangerous today to be a lazy, casual, or do-nothing Christian. Things are getting more perilous. That's the not-so-exciting way to put it. But to be a diligent doer is such a beautiful thing. Amen. You know, as the world gets worse, we ought to look to the other side. Yes, Those who do, it gets better. Amen. It gets exponentially better. It gets powerful. You know, when you're asleep at night and you're, on, you're doing the Word of God, you know what you have going on? A good night's sleep and angels doing work for you. Yeah. Isn't that nice? When I wake up in the morning, maybe some things are prepared for me. Maybe some spiritual battles have been won overnight while I'm sawing Z's. Amen? I can wake up in the morning without a headache and stressed out. I can wake up ready to receive instructions and get with it. Jesus was productive. I know that's a four-letter word in traditional church teaching. Well, Jesus didn't pray. He was the Son of God. He was productive. He got stuff done. Productivity to me is getting a lot done of what you're supposed to get done, yeah. not just doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. And he did that. What the Father told him to do and say he did, and he did it on time with excellence, got his job done and went home and left us to finish it off. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Last thing, and then we go. This is an article, a little piece. It's a little piece. Um, music team can come up. Jeremy, are you good? Oh, come on up. We, you know, Jeremy, he, he's had like four hats this morning, so we're appreciative for Jeremy. He's done. Thank you, Jeremy. He's done three of them with a good attitude, one with not a good attitude. So, but he did fill in for our son on the drums today. Get in the drum case, Jeremy. Uh, I looked over at Jeremy one time. The boy needs some oxygen right now. He I looked at him, he was wailing away, and he looked at me, and you know, like Wiley Coyote when he's chasing the ra roadrunner, his eyes were like that, his tongue was hanging out. He needs some oxygen, and he needs to work out. <laughs> I don't think he can hear me in the cage over there. So, All right, so we appreciate Jeremy. All right, so the last piece, this is from uh, Sister Gloria Copeland in the BVOV magazine. I think it sums up perfectly. I couldn't say it better, so I want to just read it to you. God wants you, and this is about fi the financial side of things, God wants you to flourish financially to the point that everywhere you turn, you're reminded of his goodness. Every time you get in the car or drive up to your house or go into your closet, you see his abundant provision and say, thank you. Even though that's God's will, however, you won't just automatically get to that place. His abundant financial blessings aren't going to just fall on you like ripe cherries off a tree simply because you're born again. No, you must lay hold of them by faith. You must believe what God's word says about supernatural prosperity. Keep it before your eyes and in your mouth, your action. Believe it and act on it. A lot of Christians want to prosper, but they neglect to do these things. They may go to, to a church that preaches prosperity or healing or deliverance. They may agree with the message they hear about it and think, good, oh, that's good, I like it. But they don't spend enough time renewing their minds with God's word to disconnect from the world's financial system and connect to the kingdom of God's system. 
And the kingdom of God system has an element of doing in it to reach that, that uh, completion. They shout amen on Sunday, but in their everyday life, they still think, talk, and act like the world. James 1.22, which we just went over, warns us not to make that mistake. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Christians who are deceived have a false sense of security. They assume God will take care of them financially and in every other area just because they're his children. And don't realize they come under his care by walking action in his ways. Instead of believing and declaring, as Psalm 1-3 does, that whatever they do shall prosper, they'll go around talking about how they're scared to death, broke, busted, and disgusted. Amen. I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. All that stuff. If this economy doesn't turn around and the prices keep going up, we're not going to make it. Everybody from the 80s remembers the song, we're not going to take it. All you unsanctified people, and Twisted Sister, anybody ever heard of them? You know, we're not going to take it. Well, unfortunately, non-practicing Christians sing, we're not going to make it. Christians like that don't have any grounds for security in this life. They have grounds for security in the next life, but not necessarily on this one. They've received Jesus as their Savior, so when they die, they'll go to heaven. But they're not going to experience very much heaven on earth. You should smile. <laughs> you should smile because the word sets us free. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You good? Everybody good? Ready to go? Okay. Praise the Lord. You're going to have uh, the privilege of uh, different ministers. While Pastor and Miss Glenn are gone, remember we're in a season of transition. Uh, let's receive and participate. You'll have, be able to, to hear different people. Um, appreciate you listening and being patient, even smiling occasionally today. Uh, it helps when you, you interact. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, the day that you've made. We rejoice and we're glad in that. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us the formula for success that in a relationship with you, you've mapped out what our promises are, and you also mapped out how we get there. And so, Lord, we only have to hear and do. We don't have to drum things up, muscle our way through things, but that, we just do it your way. And so, Lord, I thank you today and pray the peace of God on this congregation and on the online audience. We speak the peace of God into Pastor and Miss Glenna, that your presence will overflow in their hotel room, that it will translate into the ministry room, that people will be set free, that people will, in here and there, see the calling that you put on their lives, that they will see the steps in it, that they will take the time to see the steps in it, and then take the steps. That's your desire and your will for everybody that belongs to you. We appreciate you, and we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Matt's going to close us out, so don't leave until he's done. Thank you.